Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District, and every week we sit down and get to know a teacher better. My goal is to learn what drives and guides teachers, especially when venturing into that risky territory of trying something new. Join me. Today on the Teacher Interview Podcast, we spend time with Linda Kelly. She teaches at Sunset Lane Elementary School in Fullerton. Well, Linda, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for agreeing to do this. That's your turn to say... <laughs> Thanks, that, Wes. I'm so thrilled to be here. To there you go. <laughs> that's, that's your time to say you weren't being forced. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to start with a little bit of talk about how you got into teaching. And then I did some pre-interviews with some people that you referred me to. And so I have some quotes from them that we will um, address or, or bring into the conversation and get your reaction. Um, but our general themes are risk-taking, innovation, trying things new. And we'll try to touch on those. Um, as we go. So without further ado, tell me, how'd you get into teaching? Well, I was one of those that always wanted to be a teacher. Really? When I was a, a child, you could always find me with my little chalkboard <laughs> that I got for Christmas one year pretending you to be a teacher. a chalkboard for Christmas so I you did. could pretend to be a teacher. So wow. I knew at that young age that I was destined to become a teacher. <laughs> I did not have anyone in my family that was a teacher. My mom was a nurse, and most of her sisters were nurses. But I had such a positive experience in school myself that I knew from some of the teachers that I really, really enjoyed that I would one day want to be a teacher. That's cool. So you're, do you remember a specific teacher's name? My favorite teacher was my third grade teacher, Miss Moriarty. Okay. And it's a what great name. Moriarty, <laughs> I know. I also had a teacher named Mrs. Wigglesworth. <laughs> so this was back in Ohio where I don't know how I ended up with these names. But Miss Moriarty just made learning fun. Oh, she cool. was really into art and she just inspired everyone in the class to be the best that they could be. So I just enjoyed every moment in that third grade year. Not all of my elementary school years were that great, but I think just seeing how some of the teachers that I enjoyed really did embrace the learning aspect of teaching and made it not only fun, but I could see that they loved what they were doing. Oh, that's great. I love that. So how did you, so from third grade, <laughs> let's go forward a little. So how? So I graduated from high school way back in 1978, and I had already knew that I was going to be selecting a college where they had a teacher education program. Okay. So I went to Bowling Green State University, and actually cool. I went away to college with my kindergarten best friend. Really? She and I remained friends all wow. through elementary, junior high, and high school, and both decided we wanted to be teachers. Wow. So we headed off to Bowling Green and both pursued the elementary teaching credential at that time. And in four years, we graduated and decided that staying in Ohio was not what we wanted to okay. do. 
And so we hopped into my 1978 Chevy Chevette, okay. drove across the country, no way. and landed in Anaheim, California. That's a great, <laughs> okay. That's a great story, but Anaheim, why, why was that the, the well, destination? Well, I had a great aunt and uncle who every year would come back to Ohio to uh -huh. visit my parents. Okay. And they would talk about Disneyland and the beach and you know just how beautiful California was. So around my sophomore, junior year of college, I thought, you know what, I need to go check this out. I love that. So another friend of mine, we came out for spring break my junior year of college, and we went to all the places, Disneyland, we were in Hollywood, we were in Palm Springs, we oh. went to Laguna <laughs> Beach. In a week's time, and mind you, this is March, Yeah. we did as much as we could in that week's time. I went back and I said, I'm out. <laughs> I am moving to California. That's a bold move. It was a very bold move yeah. because I had no job. Okay. <laughs> That's a bolder move. <laughs> I had a place to live. My great aunt and uncle said, you know what? We live in this mobile home park. You can come and live with us till you get a job. Okay. That's all I needed. Yeah. An invite. I'm like, okay, I'll okay. go. And so from there into actually a teaching position. Well, my first year in California, there were no jobs. Mm. This was 1982. And I tried to apply for different positions and there just weren't any available jobs. So I ended up getting a job at a preschool okay. in Yorba Linda. Okay. So I taught a pre-K and a four-year-old class. I think no, it was kindergarten and a four-year-old class. So that was really my first year of teaching. I loved it. Yeah. I was able to, you know, try out all of the different things that I learned in college yeah. and the kids were so cute and just so much fun. But the downside was I was making six dollars an hour. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, you know, it wasn't great pay. <laughs> Yeah. But then again, I was living with my great aunt and uncle, so they weren't charging me anything. Yeah. Um, but three months into that teaching position, I met a gal who was looking to move out. And so now I had an opportunity to find a place to live. Yeah. And I needed more than six dollars yeah. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you get your first teaching job? My first proper? real job teaching then, well, what I ended up doing the next year after the preschool job, I started subbing in Fullerton. Mm. And I ended up at Laguna Road, okay. and Harold Sullivan was the principal at the time. So I went in, he had a teacher whose husband was very ill, and he said, well, I'm gonna need you for a long term in fourth grade. I'm like, great, I'll take it. Started out, long story short, the husband died and the wife came back to work. So I was only there maybe a week, week and a half. Oh. But wow. that got me into the Fullerton district yeah. with just subbing. Yeah. So about a month or two later, I was doing a lot of subbing at Golden Hill. And there was a position that opened up because the sixth grade teacher had taken, back then it was called chapter one, it was like the resource position, mm. RTI position of today. Yeah. So it opened up a sixth grade classroom and because I had subbed there a few times, the principal said, hey, you want an interview? We sat down, she offered me the job. The end of October, I was teaching sixth wow. grade in a bilingual classroom, Spanish English. Okay. Remember, I'm from Ohio. Okay. No Spanish <laughs> at Golden Hill. So it was a great learning year. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, it was not my best year of teaching <laughs> because it was tough. I really, you know, I was 23. I probably really should have had a little more life experience. And it was a tough, 
class. Yeah. So tell me about you obviously got through that, but I did. you you look back and you go it was tough. What what do you think it was about you that that made you come out and you stayed in teaching? Well, right? I had and this aha moment and I have to share this with you because at the end of that year I really seriously thought maybe teaching isn't for me. Mm. I mean, I mean it was a I had a great group of kids but then I had these really troubled kids mm. and I felt like I didn't reach them. So that summer I was doing temporary work because I had moved out and now I was paying rent and I was working at just like agencies doing secretarial work, mm -hmm. receptionists or answering phones. And after that summer, I thought maybe I'm just going to interview for one of these positions mm. and get out of teaching and go into this. So wow. I applied for a job. I don't even remember what it was, but I had gone in for the interview. I sat down for, with this gentleman. He, you know, he looked at my resume. He knew I was teaching, and he said, "Why are you here?" And I had kind of told him a little bit about my first year experience of teaching. He said, "You need to go back and teach again." He said, this is what you trained for. You went to school for four years. So he basically talked me out of <laughs> pursuing the job. So wow. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I do need to give this another shot. So I went back my second year at Golden Hill, and I had a fabulous experience. Oh, my gosh. Fabulous. That's it was a great. great story. But had I, you know, maybe interviewed for something else, I might have gotten out of teaching and never had given it a shot. Wow. And thank, thank goodness for somebody with that kind of insight. I know it. But then also the kind of the boldness to say. Right, what are you doing? You yeah. need to go back into that class. I almost felt like he was my dad across the table, you know, <laughs> telling me, no, you got this degree in education. Go back to the classroom. So that was wow. a great experience. And then I kind of thought to myself, I'm not really cut out for sixth grade. You know, no. I'm here I'm now 24. And I just, it, it just, I didn't feel like it was my, my strength at that yeah. level to be teaching. So I was able to move down to third grade the following year. Okay. And that was fabulous. Wow. I loved it. Loved, and I thought, okay, this is, these are my people. <laughs> these are my people. <laughs> I need to be working with the younger kids. They relate better with, you know, I could relate better to where That's they were at in life. So let's take a couple of those experiences. One, having a tough experience, mm -hmm. and then the next year was great. Two, having somebody else kind of speak some wisdom in, into your life where you're like, I actually, th thank you for that encouragement. So how, how would you maybe encourage somebody new on your staff, like a new teacher now? Like how would you, Linda, try to motivate or direct somebody who's like not sure about how it's going? Well, I know the mistake that I made in going into the position thinking I could be a 12-year-old friend. You know, mm. here I am, the teacher, the yeah. person in charge. And I think I was wanting to be that person that would understand and show respect for. But in turn, I don't believe my students looked at me as the person in charge. You know, I was trying to be more of their friend, and that didn't work. So I had to kind of learn the hard way that you have to go into this, perf you know, a classroom saying, I am the person in charge, but I'm going to love you whether you screw up or not. But I am the person who's going to be making, you know, the decisions and what we do and how we do it. And I think when kids know that going in, then they begin to respect you as that teacher. Yeah. And I didn't do that that first year. Yeah. So my advice would be, you know, you definitely have to develop your discipline plan and make sure that it is one that you can 
use throughout the year and be positive and yet know that there are consequences for behavior that you don't like. Yeah. So on that topic, you have, like, let's say, um, that was kind of wisdom looking back for that initial period. Have you swung back the other way where you, you've kind of, like, over time been able to do some things that are less authoritarian or, like, how, how does that work over time? How do you look I at I think that? for me, because now I'm fast forward back in sixth grade, right. and I had not been in sixth grade for over 30 years. Oh, so, so that's a recent change. Yeah, just last okay. year was my first year back in sixth grade. Okay. And I think, you know, the wisdom as a parent that I've acquired and having my own children and then just all the years of teaching experience, I mean, you can't replace that. No. You, you just build on what you've learned along the way. But, and kids are different today. I mean, every yeah. year you see the differences in our students. And I think it's so important that you're moving forward with them because the way I taught back in 1983 definitely is not the year <laughs> I'm teaching in 2018. And even last year, I mean, every yeah. year I see that as a teacher, you have to be willing to learn the way they're learning and yeah. change your direction of how you're teaching them yeah. the way that you can tap into you know their style of learning. And it's not the w way I learned. Yeah, at I'm just going to re repeat that phrase learn the way they're learning. That's interesting. So, not only just teach the way they're learning, mm -hmm. but kind of like really picking up on how they learn and right. trying to almost experience it yourself like yep. a fresh or a new. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm so thankful that I've had lots of opportunity. I mean, through different workshops and trainings and things that people throughout my life have brought in. And I think the biggest change for me was about five or six years ago when I went through the technology program that Ted Lai mm -hmm. directed. Mm -hmm. And once a month we went to you know, some location and he taught us a new piece of technology. And this is back when we were just starting to implement iPads. You maybe had one in your class. And we were just starting to learn about laptops and everything. But every month he would teach us a new trick of how to integrate it into the classroom. But the part that really stood out for me was that we had to do a project. Mm -hmm. We had to do something with what he taught us. So we'd go back in the classroom, we would use our students to integrate whatever new lesson he had taught us about, and that solidified my learning and then allowed me to see, wow, what a difference this is making with my students. Yeah. So he was definitely my inspiration into using technology yeah. because I didn't, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I really did it. So, and I was even hesitant on taking the class. I thought, oh, you know, this is kind of going into that unknown, uh, unknown water. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this and keep yeah. up with all these other people who seem to have a lot more knowledge than me. But I'm telling you, he, you know, let us take the steps that where we were at. And I learned so much from that man. That's great. I mean, he's definitely been my inspiration. So let's go back just a little bit. You. You were unsure about the class, but you did it. So what? who convinced you or what was that step? Um, what was it in you that said, yes? I, <laughs> I felt like I had nothing to lose. Oh, you know, I went into it going, you know what? If I can't keep up with it, I'm sure he'll let me drop the class. Because <laughs> they'll be like, you know, you just need to go and maybe watch some YouTubes or videos or something. But I thought, you know what, if I don't try, then how I'm going to be missing out on a lot mm. of learning. 
I mean, and I felt the same way when I moved to California. I could have stayed in Ohio and maybe eventually found a job. But if I don't take that risk, where, you know, where are you going to get? That's interesting. So, yeah. and I've always tried to instill that in my own children. You know, hey, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Go ahead, try it out. If it doesn't work out, you, know, you can move back yeah. home or you can try a different job. But, and, and I really try to have my students see that same viewpoint because they're always wanting to take maybe the easy route or the sure route. And it's like, no, 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 you know, yeah. go ahead, go try the class. And yeah. See that's whether great. Or not it's for you. So that's great. Maybe just because I lived that experience myself. Yeah. So we have um, interviews that um, already have kind of suggested like connections to what you're saying. So I'm going to share um, a story, and this is from your principal, okay. Tracy Garina. 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 So the story that she told, the question was kind of a moment where Linda's being Linda as no one else can. So she said, last year I needed to switch Linda's grade level. Although she wasn't super enthusiastic about the change, she went into the new grade level assignment with an open mind and she was determined to make the most of it. Um, she said, a week into the school year, you approached her. Do you remember that? I do remember that. What was, what was that moment? Well, I think I stopped by her office and I actually thanked her for moving me because really? I I did. I went and I said, I love this age. I didn't realize what I was missing because you know, I'd stayed with third and fourth and second grade for all these years. And I said, I love what I see now <laughs> in sixth grade. <laughs> and you remember what I said earlier, how bad of an experience I had when wow. I first started out. And I said, thank you for moving me. Because I would have never done that myself. Right. I would have never said, yeah, move me to sixth grade. Mm -mm. That's so interesting. Okay, so here, you're Linda, who moved from Ohio to California, <laughs> which is a drastic, it's a big leap. And then you have that bad experience in sixth grade, and then you stayed in third grade for so long. I did, second, third, and then I moved to fourth. I was there maybe three years. And yeah. then she said, we need somebody to go to sixth grade. I'm like, uh, don't <laughs> pick me, don't pick me. <laughs> so to walk me through this, let's say you have colleagues who are, they're that person who's mm -hmm. like, I had a bad experience, no thanks, mm -hmm. I'll just stay where I am safe. How do you how do you relate to them, knowing that you, you've seen both sides, right. and then the the real benefit of stepping out with the class with Ted Lai or sixth grade, how do you, you know, work with colleagues and what do you say to them? Like, who, who's Linda in that situation? You know what, I really believe that teachers, after so many years, and I don't want to put a number on it, <laughs> should try a different grade level. Mm. Because moving either up or down, you get a different perspective of what's coming to you or what left you. Mm -hmm. And if you're only in one grade level, you never see the differences. Mm. And there's a huge difference in working with a sixth grader compared to fourth grade. Yeah. Not just the maturity, but just by sixth grade, you know, some kids are accelerated in their learning, and then you have those kids that have missed out in learning third grade content, fourth grade content, mm. and now you're trying to expose them to sixth grade, and you're like, uh. Yeah. But if you stay in that one grade level, then that's all you know. And when you become mm. a, a grade level change, when you change grade levels, you become a new teacher. Mm. Nothing is the same as what you did before, but that gets you out of that comfort zone and into that new learning phase, yeah. which I think as an educator, that's why we went into teaching. Yeah. You know, you, you think so? I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the new curriculum that I get to learn. 
That's awesome. Now the math is challenging. <laughs> the math is very challenging. But you know, it's exciting to see the new things that you get to learn yourself before you're, you know, teaching your students. So That's awesome. I think everybody should experience grade level change at some point. Yeah. But you know, you have you have to be ready for it. Yeah. If you're pushed into it and you're not, you know, like at you a were. point in life <laughs> where you can take on, you know, your little babies at home and that, yeah. you don't want to change grade levels. Yeah. But you know me, I wasn't in that situation, so it was a good thing. That's it really good. was. So I have another quote. Uh, this is from a colleague, Pam. Mm -hmm. And um, so she talked about one thing that stood out to her. This was the question where I said, is there anything else you want to tell me? Mm -hmm. So just bonus information for me and she said each year Linda takes on the challenge of mentoring student teachers uh, which she calls the future of the world oh, um, and she said I have watched her work with these young men and women and they're very fortunate to have you as, as their guide um, and your passion for teaching learning and sharing your knowledge carries on into the future through them so talk about that that side. I love mentoring new teachers. I really do enjoy that. Whether they're a student observer or they are, you know, going into the credentialing program and learning how to teach, I just feel like we have so much of that e life experience in teaching that you want to tell them about and the good and the bad. You mm. know, you, and you want to let them know that hey, I have had failures. There have n it's not always been rosy. There have been things that have gone wrong. But you just try to instill in them the same love that you have. Mm. And I always tell them, you guys need to be like sponges. Take mm. it all in. Ask the questions. No question is a bad question. You know, write down everything you want to know. We'll talk about it later when we have a chance. But I just want them to jump in and experience what it's like and make sure that they're in the right profession. Mm. And let them know the amount of work that it takes to be a good, effective teacher. Yeah. Not to think it's the eight to three thirty job that you're going to have, but if and you can see it in them when when they start working with the kids, whether they really love what they're doing yeah. or it's kind of like, well, I, maybe I want to be a teacher. Yeah. So talk to me more about that. Um, like, what do you see in somebody who's young and they're engaging in kind of those formative steps of becoming right. a teacher? What do you see that's like a oh no or a oh yes? What, what well, the that? oh yeses, I see how they're trying to build the rapport with the kids. Mm. I mean, even day one, you know, they say, oh, hi, you know, and welcome, and, and really trying to walk around and get to know their names and try to figure out who's who in their learning abilities and that. And then even when you say, okay, I want, to take a, I want you to take a small group, and they're like, oh, sure, and they'll jump right in and start doing things versus maybe someone who you can tell doesn't interact with the kids at mm. all, or um, they don't ask you any questions about oh, the day's events. Um, <laughs> but when you have a good one, and they're you know they'll even like send you an email or a text, hey, how did that go with so and so's parent? You know, knowing that I had a conference or something. Yeah. And they're doing things beyond the time that they're with me. I'm like, well, this kid's a star. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You you really want to help that person? You know, hopefully get a yeah. job down the road. Um, and we've had some great candidates from Cal State. I mean, I really have been impressed with their program and been very fortunate to have both the observers and the student teachers on our campus because they've been top-notch kids so far. And That's I have great. one now, uh, a gentleman who, you know, I haven't had a male student teacher in a long time, probably 25 years. And just to see the enthusiasm he has for 
wanting to learn. It, it's great. like what you want to see in your own students in the classroom. So yeah. I'm excited, and we're only in like week three, <laughs> but he's showing promising signs of being another, you know, great teacher. Yeah, talk about that. That you, you uh, what was the phrase you used? Like being excited about learning. Mm -hmm. Like you could see it in him. Talk about why or how does that translate if the teacher's excited about learning how do how does that affect students oh my gosh yeah day, day. Yeah. i mean that to me that's the key when they see the enthusiasm that you have for something or you have found a fun activity for them to do with something that maybe is not you know so fun <laughs> um, but you make it fun it, it's the, it's the difference with i think the kids Number one, getting excited about it, and maybe hopefully learning and remembering what you've taught. And not everything can be, you know, a fun and game. But if you try to at least bring the enthusiasm that you have for teaching it, and even the things that aren't so fun, if you just say, "Hey, guys, I know this is tough, but hey, we're gonna work through this together," and you know, I'm here to help you. Blah, blah. If they know that you are invested in what they're learning, then they're gonna do their best to try to learn it. Hmm. Even the kids that struggle, I mean, they, if they see that you are really wanting to help them, then they're yeah. going to respond. So pretend I'm that student teacher who's on the border. Like, I don't quite get that. Mm -hmm. What coach me, like, mm -hmm. what, what do I need to do? Like, I really want to be that person, but I'm just not there. What do I, what behaviors does that teacher exhibit where I'm really that tuned into the student? What should I be doing or saying? And that's tough. That That's a hard call. Because that's why I, I gave that I question <laughs> to you. And, and I've run into that before because you, you want them to take the initiative and see with their own eyes what they should be doing and how they should be helping. But there are some that I've had in the past that don't see that. Yeah. So you have to do more of the coaching hey, Wes, why don't you go over there? Susie needs some help reading this passage. Mm. Why don't you go ahead and read that to her? So you're giving them more direct. Like something they wouldn't pick up on yes. as a need. Right. And you give them that direction. Yep. Okay, so. Or you might have a direct, you know, a plan that you've written down on paper. So when they come in that morning, okay, here's your list of things that I want you mm. to do today. So you, you know, time-wise and that, you yeah. go ahead and, and some people operate better that way, but you hope that you see a candidate that's more uh, in tune with the whole classroom yeah. setting. And after they've watched you for a few days, they kind of get the flow of your room and how you operate and yeah. the structure of the classroom. And, you know, when they start asking you questions, they want to know more, to me, that's like the key. That's cool. That's, that's the key. Okay, so let's say you tell me, Wes, go over there and read to that student. <laughs> And I do it, and I don't have any questions for you. So what's your <laughs> what's your follow up? Like, how do you spark uh, that uh, next step in me? What do you? That's a hard. That's a I hard. I know. One. That's why I'm asking I, you. And, you know, and that's <laughs> when you you talk to the supervisor in private, and you say, you know, I've worked with Wes. I've really tried to help him, <laughs> but maybe he should be selling cars. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and they're really good about picking up on that, too. I mean, the, the supervisors, and they want you to be upfront with them. They want, they want to know early on, mm. because if it's not 
for you, then they want to be able to have that conversation mm. and say, you know, Wes, we're going to give you another shot. <laughs> but if, you know, we don't see any signs yeah. of you really wanting to learn more about this profession, then maybe plan B yeah. is where you need to go. So it is great because I'm learning so much. You, you spoke highly about the Cal State Fullerton oh, yeah. program, but to know there's that kind of fine attention to kind of how a person, um, like, kind of uh, lives in the classroom space, whether they're, um, I guess the word that keeps popping up to me is whether they're curious about learning mm -hmm. uh, or not is, it's kind of reassuring because you don't, you don't want them to get their credential and then be in year two as a probationary teacher and then somebody says you're not cut out for it. Right. You'd rather have, you know, people early on saying we need to see X, Y, or Z so that's reassuring. Well, and I think it's important too that you're very honest with them on the time commitment mm. because teaching is not eight to 3.30. Uh, they need to understand that there's a lot of behind the scenes mm -hmm. work that goes into you know what you're teaching because of course veteran teachers make it look very easy when you know, you're up there and teach. Right. But they need to know, okay, well here's what I had to do in order to prepare that lesson. Yes. That took hours and here's the material that I was using and I had to, you know, weed out the stuff that I didn't want to use. So they really need to see it's yeah. not just a book, a TE, because we haven't had materials in Fullerton for a while in certain content areas. So it's like you have to be willing to go beyond and look for things that you think are gonna spark the interest of your students and cover the standards. Yeah. And that's not done you know, in the hours of your work day. You yeah. have to be willing to commit that time outside of the classroom to make that happen. And you just said that sentence very easily, but I mean, so sparking interest in students and covering the standards, and it's almost like, um, you didn't specifically say it, but it's almost like you're you're kind of always looking for those things. Like when you're, it's just how you view the world. Like you come across something, you see something online or on TV and you're like. I'm a huge Twitter follower now of certain people. Okay. And I never did until we started I Personalize when I was still back in fourth grade and they made us sign up for Twitter. I'm like, I don't even know what that uh, is. If you're listening, you should see <laughs> the, the the look of fear in Linda's eyes. <laughs> like, I'm like, Twitter, what is that? What is that? So once we signed up and we started you know, using it through our training, and then I think we had Lisa Highfill, is that the yeah. Um, yeah. HyperDoc lady? Yeah. So she came and spoke with us, and then certain names started popping up, and I just started following them and the wealth of information that comes across yeah. Twitter wow. is amazing. So every summer or you know throughout the year, I will look and there'll be things that you, you know, a hyperlink posted, I'll look at it, mm -hmm. hey, this is great, yeah. take it. You know. So that's been, my, and that's one thing I share with my student teacher, I said, you need to get her Twitter, you need to start following. Yeah. And you, you know, certain people, you just learn about along the way. Yeah. Um, I don't have a list to share, I just look at different stuff. Yeah. But after like when you guys go to the Q conferences, there's a big following then. So I just kind of look at the materials that are out there. Yeah, that's a great tip. And it goes it goes into that like always being curious mm -hmm. and in the learning mode is Twitter is a resource that you can right. that you can use to improve teaching and learning. It Love is. It. It's a great resource yeah. because it's the newest and latest things that are out there too. Yeah. So great. you find different apps and different resources that people have posted after their conferences. They might even post their whole presentation. Right. So you just weed through the slides. Yeah. 
That's great. Click away. So we have another, we're getting close to okay. time, but we have another um, quote here, and this is from your daughter, Lauren. Um, and so um, the question was uh, a moment that is significantly kind of symbolic of you. Mm -hmm. So um, she says, you care about your students far beyond the job description. She once told me, so this is something she had related to you. She told you about a student in your class who in the first couple days of school kept checking into the office because she didn't feel well. And then you went and mm -hmm. sought the student out and then kind of seemed like kind of probed into what the real issue at hand was. Um, and the student, do you remember this? Yes, I do. Okay, it was so this year. Oh, <laughs> tell me, tell me. Well, I, I, I actually had the student in fourth grade and she then was, she was in the gate class in fourth grade, was placed in the gate class in fifth grade. Well then, sixth grade, she did not get placed in the gate class because she was just a school-based student. All of her friends were in the gate class. Mm. So now, two years later, she's placed in a class where she doesn't really have what she considered her friends. So the second day of school, she started complaining about a stomach ache and didn't feel well. and went to the office and they sent her home. Well, the next day she showed up and she was just hysterical in tears and everything. She didn't want to come into the class. Mm. So the secretary had called me to tell me that she said, we're gonna keep her here, but I just wanted you to know. So I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I deal with this problem? Hmm. So I decided that I was going to talk to my students about the situation because I felt like we needed to reach out to her to let her know, we want you here. Mm. We're really sad that you don't feel like you're mm. a part of this team, and we really want you to be in our classroom. So I had just asked the kids, I said, I don't want you to say anything to her. I said, but she's gonna be coming back in later this afternoon. And whatever you can do to really make her feel like mm. she's wants to be here and wants to come back tomorrow, I said, you know, go out of your way to make that happen because mm. I'm really sad that she feels this way. So I left it at that. The kids, you know, she did come in later that afternoon, but it was towards the end of the day. And then I saw the kids the next day when we were lining up, you know, go over, oh, you know, talking to her and everything. Recess, I saw the same type of reaction. And now the girl is as happy as can be. Mm. But wow. it was one of those moments where it was like, how do I handle this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do I do to make this a better situation, but yet respect the privacy of the child? Right. You know, I didn't want her to be singled out, but yet I wanted the other kids to know that she's having these feelings about yeah. this class. Yeah. And it seems like a very fine line and through experience. So walk me through, how did you know your kind of instinct to go that direction with the class like what was it inside you that said this is the way I'm gonna go because you didn't really know no I didn't really yeah. know I, I think I just felt so bad about her feeling you know in tears and not wanting to be in school mm. and I think having had a relationship her, with her for that whole year of fourth grade I knew she was a very shy child mm. And she had one really good friend the year in fourth grade, and then it so happened that this friend moved away after fifth grade, so here she lost that friend, and now mm. all of her gate friends are in the other class. So I think I kind of related to that shyness, and that, because oh. I was like that as a child. And just knowing that she must be in a place that she can't get out of. You know, mm. she complaining about being sick, crying to her mom, 
hysterical in the office that there was something that we had to do as a class, and I couldn't do it alone, to mm. change around that feeling that she was having. Yeah. So I just looked at it as a family. You know, what would a family do? Mm. A family would reach out, a family would help, a family would try to change you know, those feelings. And I only, knowing the class for a couple of days, I thought, okay, I'm taking a huge risk here. <laughs> this could backfire. <laughs> but it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. And it was just, it was so neat to see them rally around her and maybe relate to that feeling. I had a couple mm. new kids, you know, who were also trying to find their way mm. into social circles. You know, we had done some talking about uh, different ways to make people feel at home and in a classroom. And so they really took the challenge. Yeah. And it's been a happy story. That's great. I mean, it, it's really, I mean, it's, I don't want to um, stay on the point too long, but that, like you did almost call it a, a risk, like you were it taking was. this risk. And the fact that you, I mean, you realized there's kind of some humility in, mm -hmm. I can't solve it alone. And then through, like, I really think there's kind of wisdom through experience that you can't fake where you're like, it's almost like if you've seen the, um, you know, some of the movies about astronauts and the things we have to do. I mean, Hidden Figures is one, Apollo 13, where it's right. like, we've really never done this before, <laughs> but we're going to try to make we're this exactly. work. Exactly. I and felt that way. And so you had this, like, like emotional, like, I'm going to try to pull the mm -hmm. class this way to bring the, the student back. Um, it's really touching. Like, people, if you're not crying right now. <laughs> 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 no, it's really like, I mean, it's one of the things, the one the phrase that comes to mind is teaching is an art you know Definitely. and it's really like there's no kind of formula somebody could mm -hmm. have put down in a book about teaching to to accomplish that right so i mean it's just beautiful anyways thank you Aww, for sharing well, that's that. funny that lauren mentioned that story too yeah because i did tell her about it um because it was just really one of those situations i just thought gosh i gotta turn this girl around i just hate the fact that she doesn't want to be yeah. in school yeah and here it is day three and we're feeling this way so yeah like i said it was a risk but luckily it worked out yeah it, i mean we're we're at the end of our time but i i kind of want to tie that back into like i mean we do talk about innovation and risk taking and trying things new and this was a really a unique situation. I don't know that we've on the podcast really talked about like <laughs> that kind of expertise with making a, a kind of a, a leap and then bringing a, a group of young people that you are just getting to know yourselves. Like again, I just want to say like that's masterful and it's oh. just beautiful. <laughs> and so I, I really thank you for sharing sharing that because like when I first heard you talk about it, I was like, Oh, Lord, listeners, don't do that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I thought the same thing myself. It's like, oh, man, I might be stepping over some <laughs> lines. <laughs> but yeah. I, I just felt there was something that I needed to say, and I, I just did it in a way that, you know, I wanted to protect her, but yet I wanted to help her. Yeah. And I thought the only way I can't help her, but I know my students can help her. That's awesome. So in order to do so, I kind of need to let them know how we can go yeah. about doing that. And so. then ultimately, it's really not just about her because the whole class is learning. Mm -hmm. Some Oh, well, the student next to me who wasn't mentioned, that could apply. I could be a friend right. or act right. like family to them, too. 
Well, I just want to say thank you. That's that's kind of the end of our time. And thank you so You're much so for welcome. coming down. Was and, it as bad as I thought it'd be? <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be our new slogan. <laughs> Teacher interview podcast. Not as bad as you think. <laughs> All right, thanks, Linda. You're welcome. Thanks, Wes. This has been the Teacher Interview Podcast. Thank you for joining us.